is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez 5. He yeah. is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out. Tie of the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour here on 1400 KLIN. That's KLIN Sports Director Caleb Henry. We get a full first hour. A whole show. I've only been on for half a show. I thought we did a whole show before Indiana. Or no, Indiana was the half game. We did the bye week show, didn't we? We, you and I have only done the, the half hour. I wasn't here for the uh, the bye oh, week. Yeah. I started yeah. the the Monday after the bye. Here we go. This is a full hour of the Cole and Caleb experience, the folks. The first one. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> so if you weren't excited enough, there's that. Um, we've got a lot to cover. Uh, of course, there's some things that are going on with the football program that. Uh, you know, we, we might need an intervention. Uh, we might need to go to rehab. Some, some stuff's going on with the football program. We're going to dig into that, obviously. We will uh, talk to Chris Hetty of the Omaha World Herald. With uh, He covers both football and basketball for the World Herald. There's some stuff going on with Fred Hoiberg's first game. We'll, we'll, we'll hit on that as well. And they play their second game later today, uh, so that's fun. We'll, we'll see. If, uh, if they can maybe get the first win of the Fred Hoiberg era on this day in history. And uh, plenty more to get to as well as we move along here this hour on a bye week Saturday. Uh, great day out there. Hopefully you get a plan, uh, get, get a, t- a chance to get out and rake the rest of your leaves. Maybe <laughs> you're putting your Christmas lights up early. Uh, whatever your plans are, enjoy them. Uh, and hopefully they are outdoors and you can take advantage of not having to watch Nebraska go out and lose again because it's starting to be a broken record this season, this season, Caleb. It's, it's a, a three game losing streak now. You had the bye week three weeks ago, the first of two. And uh, the talk was, hey, you know what? That Minnesota game was bad. It is what it is. You can have a chance to flush that out, change some things up. You get a couple of wins here this this next couple games against Indiana and Purdue, and boom, you're bowl eligible and everybody's hunky-dory. And that things didn't exactly go to plan. Um, and, and so this is a really weird place for Nebraska football, and that's saying something considering some of the weird places they've been recently. They're four and five, not looking good to get to a bowl, and that would be three straight seasons without playing around Christmas for Nebraska football, which is just unfathomable to think of. And the direction of the program, while still I think most fans are optimistic about where Scott Frost will ultimately take everything, it's looking bleak for the near term. And you just don't know where relief is coming, if not with the end of the season, because Wisconsin and Iowa are going to be heavy favorites, even though they're playing in Memorial Stadium. The Maryland game looks winnable, but then again, Nebraska's one and eleven, in or one and ten in their last eleven games. And the way the the last two have gone, talking about winnable games. Um, I agree, though, that most fans would say the the trajectory where where things are going, it is. On an upward traje- trajectory, 
how steep that upward trajectory is, I think that's where you can get into some of the debate. Going into the last bye week, you said, yeah, there's two games. We'll get another bye. See where things are at. We'll be bowl eligible with three to go. That's obviously not what happened. Some things didn't get fixed. Um, Frost and company, they were saying they were working on a lot of inside runs that, but that by week going That's into, right. going inside into zone. Indiana, we haven't seen that. Um, and that was something, uh, you and I and, and Jack, we talked about on the, the Husker hour yesterday. Tailgate. Uh, on the tailgate, yeah. Let's see if I can figure out which shows <laughs> everything is. I'm still learning that part. But yeah, on the tailgate, um, and hopefully Brendan Stein feels better, uh, better today on state volleyball championship Saturday. But, I, I just, we haven't seen those inside runs and whether or not that's the offensive line being able to just physically run someone over or they're just trying to get too cute with a lot of the schemes. But going into these final three games, you have to believe that there's a chance at that bowl game playing an extra month. But I don't know, like you said, to, to start things off, are folks waiting for the relief of just the season being over? And then how much are some of the seniors tapping into that saying that, it's almost done, and I'm okay with that. Is yeah. that is that where we're at right now? Yeah, yeah, and and we'll we'll break down a little bit of what happened against Purdue, but a lot of that's been done. It, look, Nebraska just lost a game they had no business losing. We've never heard that before, right? And and it it it's a broken record to a certain extent because Nebraska keeps getting into games and getting into games where they're in the game and their 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 percentage chance of winning if you will is is pretty high and yet they still find a way to come from ahead and lose beyond that though just in terms of how the season's gone and and where things may have gone wrong and and where you might assess blame and and so on and so forth Adrian Martinez has not looked like the quarterback that we thought he would be coming into the season. Uh, he's had his moments. He led two go-ahead touchdown drives in the fourth quarter against Purdue before the four and out that ended the game. And I, I still think that a lot of people out there, in spite of that, and and maybe because of the mistakes that were made, because there's plenty on um, you know good and bad that Martinez was responsible for on Saturday. You you are to the point where you're having fans calling for him to get replaced in the game. You're having Tommy Frazier openly ask, maybe we should go to a different quarterback. That's that's a huge factor in and of itself. Then you have guys standing around in the middle of plays on defense where a Purdue tack uh, Purdue tight end is breaking tackles oh, on the way to a I touchdown saw that. before that the was, first half. That was so difficult to watch someone just stand in the middle of the field knowing that even if you miss the tackle. There's a chance to not give up six on that play. Yeah, yeah. You you hold them inside the the goal line, and and maybe they just kick a field goal and it's tied. And hey, guess what? The margin at the end of the game was four points. That's a big swing. You have play calling issues. You know, inside the red zone, Nebraska gets three uh, on on a couple of their red zone chances. Two out of their five, they kick field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. Purdue was four for four in their red zone opportunities. Purdue did not miss a third down opportunity in the second or fourth quarters. They were combined eight for eight. Huskers could not get off the field after the the first and third quarters ended. And so there's a number of places you can look, but uh, I just think it comes down to does Nebraska and the players that they're playing uh, are they are they 
all bought in as as we've been led to believe this season because all of the turnover with the roster over over the first season, all of the players that left, you thought that that might flush all that stuff out. It, it clearly hasn't in my mind. Not not pointing to any one player individually, but there's just there's flashes here and there where you just don't see guys finishing plays. There's there's a lot of instances where you see play calls that are, you know, designed to work and and if they're you know, if they're well executed, they work to perfection and they they don't execute it at all. You know, it just takes maybe one or two guys and it blows up. I just don't know what the answer is in these last three games. Caleb, I don't know that you're going to get an answer in these last three games. This is maybe and I think probably going to be something that you have to address in the offseason, which is really unfortunate when you consider that offseason is going to go on again, potentially without another bowl game. Yeah, and I think it's a very easy answer to the question on is there 100% buy-in from everyone on the team? And the answer is easily no. Um, as Frost has said a number of times, and we bring up the question of culture, trying to get things in there, and a lot of underclassmen coming out of the Indiana game were saying, there are some guys not doing the things we want them to do. That means that 100% buy-in is not there, whether it's missed tackles, missed blocks, guys giving up on plays when the play's not even half over. Uh, it, you have to fix some of those things. Can you fix that in the middle of the season or when there's, I mean, you look at the number of games, there's still 25% of the season left. Three games to go. How do you fix some of that? I don't think a quarterback change is the right way to go. And I don't, we saw it with, uh, with Taggart at Florida State, coaches getting let go. You see it so much with kind of the turnover culture that we have. If something's not working, get rid of that guy. I don't like where Nebraska football has been the past decade. If a quarterback's not a Heisman candidate, oh, put his back up in. I haven't liked that culture that we've had here. I think Martinez is the guy from what we've seen when he's on in the game, he is the best quarterback in Crimson and Cream. It's fascinating. Scarlet and Cream. Scarlet. Oh, man. Oh, wow. I've been reading too many things online right now. You're checking Oklahoma out, uh, I guess. Uh, well, Oklahoma today, big game with Iowa State, so I've been yeah. reading too too much on that right now. <laughs> so it's interesting you bring up the quarterback situation and, and, and you know the fact that he's all of a sudden not a Heisman candidate and people want him benched. You haven't had the kind of depth at the position that Nebraska enjoys this season, frankly, where Noah Vedrill and Luke McCaffrey have played well. Now, neither of them have contributed to victories yet, uh, but you you can at one at one point in, in in assessing the quarterback situation, you can be upset with the staff for not replacing a guy who's being ineffective, while at the same time acknowledging, hey, this is the first staff in a while that's been able to put together uh, a really deep quarterback room that is capable of coming in with a competent backup. That, that can win games. Now, Riker, Fife, Ron Kellogg, those guys have played games and won, but I think you would agree, and I think most would probably agree, that Noah Vedral and, and Luke McCaffrey are both, I think, better operators and offenses compared to what Riker, Fife, and Ron Kellogg were. Maybe maybe some out there aren't, but it's it's an interesting conundrum that you have. While it's it's good to have 
more than one quarterback who can play, it does lead to these types of situations where, you know, people have seen Noah Vedrill and Luke McCaffrey play, and Luke McCaffrey did not make the trip to Purdue, so he's not really involved in this discussion, and Noah Vedrill may not have been healthy enough to play against Purdue anyway, but the fact that it's coming up, and the fact that it's come up more than once this season, I think just leads you to uh, draw both of those conclusions at the same time, which is a different place than Nebraska's been in a while. Uh, yeah, I agree with that, and I, I'll, I'll add on the quarterbacks. No, I'll still say no. We don't need to replace uh, Adrian Martinez right now. But I do like that, as Brendan Stey has said, the wolf is at the door. Mm-hmm. There is there is that depth chart that says you have to keep improving so someone doesn't pass you. We don't see that across all positions. So that goes back to the one hundred percent buy-in. What makes me internally motivated to get better if there's nobody behind me coming to take my spot? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big factor. Like you haven't had that push and getting away from quarterback a little bit, Caleb. I think you can see that there may not be enough push at other positions. Offensive line. You've seen Brock Bando come in and play Mm -hmm. some left guard and right guard. Um, You've also seen uh, a few more guys play in uh, on the defense. But you haven't seen a guy like Mo Berry taken off the field for significant stretches of time. There's a few drives in there where, where Honus and Miller are both the guys. But I think most people would say, uh, you know, Mo Berry's probably not played very well this year, uh, especially considering how he played last season and, and then the amount of tackles he made and the impact of the games that he had. And then you look at some other positions. You, you don't see a lot of wide receivers getting into the games, and, and yet you've had Frost outwardly complain a little bit about guys not getting open for his quarterbacks. Well, they haven't had guys that they felt comfortable enough to put out there in their place, and so it's it's some some positions you have the the benefit of depth, and yet you aren't necessarily wanting to go to it because you still feel good about who's there, and then other places maybe where you'd want more depth, you don't have it yet, or at least they don't think they have it yet, or they're not willing to play guys yet. It's just a tough spot for Nebraska to be here in year two because they feel good about the class they brought in, but they want to keep them all together, and they want their, mm-hmm. they've want they hammered on the redshirting, and they want to keep everybody redshirted uh, who's still in position to do so it's, at this point. You really only have, I think, three or four guys who aren't going to redshirt. Um, that's such a too. that's such a big point though, and that's something that uh, Frost said earlier this week. The one media availability we got him on Wednesday yeah. was that he was asked about young guys playing, and he said it all year. Guys will play when the staff feels they're ready to play, as well as keeping them within that redshirt opportunity. Well, Wandale Robinson obviously has been ready to play, so he's played as a true freshman. Yep. You've seen some guys go out and do that. There are some other guys. They talked Ramir Johnson. You talk about some some of this freshman class that came in is actually really, really good. These guys that Frost and Company have brought in are good, but are they physically and mentally ready to get into some of these games as 18, 19-year-olds? They're seeing it in practice. They're getting to see some of these guys in their Friday practice scrimmage that they have with guys that aren't going to play on Saturday. They're seeing the improvements there. They have to keep those guys under that well, within that four-game redshirt rule, but we don't see whether or not some of these guys are physically and mentally ready to get into the games. I mean, where the where the team is at right now, the Wolf isn't at the door for a lot of positions, but do you want to get a guy in just to force competition where then he might get blown up in a game and he's mentally out of it? What, what, what does that do for the rest of his career? I think they're they're going with the slow and steady pace on bringing these guys in get them their red shirt, get them another year to get bigger, faster, stronger, all that stuff, but also mentally get all of those takes that 
you're a completely different person from the time you're an 18-year-old freshman to the time you're a 19-year-old sophomore, and you've gotten so many more of those reps. You're bigger. You've been through that strength program. I don't see whether or not those guys are there physically and mentally. We only get to see the guys that are on the field, and then we just keep asking questions. Well, who else can be there if there's a lack of depth? Yeah, and it's it's tough. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people who don't like the way that Frost is talking now because it kind of wears thin if you're losing games. But no one cares how the coach is talking else, if they're winning. What else are you going to say? Like it's at the on the one hand, yeah, it does kind of ring hollow when you're not having success on the field. But on the other hand, it's good that he's still confident, I guess, because if he wasn't confident, then I don't know how confident the the fan base would be that he's going to actually get things turned around. So, like I said, it's in a weird place right now, everybody. So just take a step back this bye weekend, uh, get yourself away from it all. Uh, maybe watch some other teams who are uh, clearly better at football than Nebraska is in 2019, and and just enjoy yourselves. Go out and and get outside and and go for a walk and do some lawn work and get ready for Christmas and Thanksgiving, you know, Black Friday shopping, what have you. Uh, a lot you can get done without having to watch a Nebraska football game uh, that may not go very well uh, in 2019. All right, we're going to take a break here. Uh, Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald will have him on next. Uh, he's seen this whole thing unfold as well. Uh, he'll probably have some thoughts that uh, would uh, would maybe coincide with ours, or maybe not. We'll see. And uh, he's also uh, the beat writer for Husker Basketball. And boy, they had a rough go of uh, Fred Hoiberg's opener the other night against Riverside. So all that coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour on 14LIN.com. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Back here on the K-Lion Husker Hour, Cole Stukenholz with Caleb Henry on a bye week Saturday. No Husker game, but we're still talking plenty of Huskers. And uh, boy, is there a lot to talk about. Uh, we'll, we'll cover both football and basketball with our next guest from the Omaha World Herald. It is Chris Hetty. Uh, Chris joining us right now on the line. Chris, welcome to another bye week Saturday. How are you spending your weekend uh, well, I guess you're going to the Husker basketball game here in a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, I would love, um, not that I don't love my job, but I'd love to be uh, planning to be on my couch all day, uh, just like waiting and tailgating LSU Alabama. Uh, but I'll be covering uh, Husker basketball, and then I'll be listening to it on the way home. But still, full, full of sports no matter what. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, well, let's dig into to football first, and we'll transition over to basketball. Huskers lose for the third straight game. Uh, they find yet another way to come from ahead and find a way to lose. This one just felt different because Nebraska won like a whole bunch of categories on the stat sheet that they usually don't. Turnovers, penalties, field position, special teams. Uh, they they even had the edge in terms of like important guys who were injured who were out, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. Like, how do you how, how do you summarize what happened against Purdue? in the context of other ridiculous losses that Nebraska's had this year. Yeah, I mean, I think this one, the the main crux of it is missed opportunities. Um, I think that's the main one. Um, you know, I don't, I don't always buy into the whole um, you have to learn how to win type deal. Um, but I do think that at a certain point, Nebraska's either just trying too hard, overthinking it, just missing opportunities, essentially. I mean, I think that, you know, if you run the ball from the two-yard line, the tw- two times they did, um, or excuse me, the two times they did not, when they probably should have, and then halftime at, what, 
seven, maybe. Um, that's a totally different game. And instead, um, you know, you, you let Purdue, you let Jeff Brom think long enough. He's going to find some plays that work. And, um, you know, you have to kind of give it up to, to Jack Plummer. And, uh, you know, he had a tremendous game, but there was also kind of no excuses for, for Nebraska on defense and offensively. You know, Adrian Martinez looked fine for the most part. He didn't, he didn't make a lot of plays, but he kept Nebraska in the game. But it just kind of comes down to those, that first and second quarter, I think. Um, you know, if you can put away a team, you gotta put away a team in the Big Ten. Like, you can't mess around with them. You can't try shovel passes at the two yard line. You gotta run it in. You can't then go on RPO when you've got Diedrich Mills. Just run it in. Just be simple. Run it in. You know, take your opportunities. And that's just something Nebraska didn't do. So that's kind of the main crux, I think, of, the, of, of that loss. Um, and I'm, I'm curious if they're going to be able to figure it out because they, you can't mess around with Wisconsin or Iowa. Um, you can't shovel pass from the two yard line because you'll get eaten up. And so I'm kind of curious what the, what, if anything, they'll, they'll change for the final three games. Yeah, it's interesting. I kind of want to go in that same direction too. That this is the second bye week for the Huskers. Didn't go very well the first time because you saw losses against Indiana and Purdue and kind of everybody thought those were wins. What, if anything, do you think the staff can change in this bye week that would have an effect that that might lead to an unexpected victory over a Wisconsin or Iowa along with Maryland and, and actually getting to a bowl game? Is there anything they can change at this point, or is the hay kind of in the barn now? I think the hay is kind of in the barn, but I do think that they could they could do um, some pretty productive things in terms of, I don't know, just, just trying to take some pressure off the guys. Um, you know, I feel like, the players take a lot of flack for a lot of the wrongdoing. Um, and they're obviously the ones that are out there doing it, but, you know, Scott Frost, you know, likes to leap a lot of the, the blame on them. Uh, in some ways they're not doing this right, not doing this right. And, you know, to his credit, he did take some blame after the Purdue game, but I just think in general, talking with the players the last, you know, couple months, they're just, they're, they, they walk around with, with such weight of the program on them. And I think that, that that's hurt them in a lot of ways, particularly Adrian Martinez. So I think in some ways you have to kind of say, hey, like, let's have some fun. Like, let's, you know, take a deep breath. Like, this isn't life or death. Like, you know, every loss isn't the end of the world. Let's, 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 you know, let's see the bigger picture. You know, let's play dodgeball or something. You know what I mean? Like, you just need to kind of loosen up a little bit because they're just, they've just been so tight. Um, and so I think that that's one way uh, that, 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 could help um simplifying what you do and who you are i think could help too i think that they have this split personality depending on who the quarterback is you know i think a lot of the things they did with noah vedrill and and uh luke mccaffrey against indiana they just didn't do with adrian um and vice versa and and that's confusing to me um so i think just simplifying and figuring out who you are and what you need to do i think that will go a long way too Chris, you're you're really echoing everything that that Cole and I have have hammered home on the have fun with it. Also, the the way the scheme is set up so much differently, depending on which quarterback is in the game. How how do they take some of that practice stuff? Whether it is playing dodgeball or just talking to guys and saying it's not the end of the world to have these losses right now. Yeah, it kind of sucks. But how do you translate some of that scheme, whether it is simplifying things when Adrian is in at quarterback, maybe changing up some personnel groups? I don't know. We, we kind of joked about this yesterday a little bit, but
but maybe if there's a healthy McCaffrey or Vedral, putting them lined up right next to Martinez in the backfield, because then you've got two guys that can throw back there, changing some things up that might be a little bit more fun out on the field for these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think that the main thing in terms of the quarterback play that's just confusing to me, I guess, is, you know, we've, we've heard from Mario Verduzco over and over again, and even from Scott Frost a couple times, that, you know, when Adrian gets hit, when he runs and gets hit, something kind of clicks, and he starts to play, he just kind of gets energized. You know, it's kind of like, you know, hitting a three on your very first possession. Like, it's just something kind of clicks, and you're like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm that guy. Um, and yet they don't really run him early. They run him late. And so he does, then he doesn't click, and then he doesn't play very well. With Noah Vedrill, um, he wasn't throwing further than five yards a lot of times, and he was getting a lot of chunk plays from it. And with Adrian, um, I don't know if it's the same type of game plan. I feel like with Adrian, it's like, hey, you know, let's let's go four plays on this drive and go 75 yards. And instead with Noah, it's kind of like, all right, let's just kind of try and get a first down. And I, that, that's kind of the sense that I get is that they're trying to get these gigantic plays with Adrian because they feel like he can do it. And with Vedral, they're kind of saying, okay, let's just get three or four here and hope that Wandale can run for 15 or that JD can run for 10. Um and I'm not seeing those same plays um, with Adrian Martinez. I saw maybe one with uh, that first, I think it was his first pass to J.D. Spillman, which went for quite a few. Um, but other than that, I mean, I just haven't seen you know that consistency. Um, I think if Luke McCaffrey is healthy, you play him. Um, I think that they made a, what you can look back on as a gigantic mistake by throwing him out. Um, I think, what, what was that game that they ran out for one play? Yeah, another North, Northwestern game. I think at the time, um, we thought, okay, this won't be that big of a deal. Um, but it was clearly a big deal because now they have three games left and they could use Luke McCaffrey in all three of them. Um, I really, really don't believe in a two-quarterback system. I don't believe in the idea that you take out a quarterback and put him back in. I think that if you bench a guy, you bench him for the game and you go with a completely new quarterback. Um, I've never seen it work where you take a guy out for a series and bring another guy in. But with that said, um, I don't think that it would hurt um, to tell Adrian and Luke, hey, okay, you know, we're going to have three plays for Luke. Adrian, we're not benching you by any means, but we've got three plays for Luke, and this is what we're going to do. And, and like, I don't, I don't see a problem with that um, in the final three games, but they only have two. Um, so I don't, know what, I don't know what they end up doing. I think there's just, again, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't – <laughs> this is such a serious program, and it's that way for a reason. It comes from the top. Scott Frost is an incredibly serious person, probably the most serious coach I've ever covered. Um, and that and that includes Bo. He's just very, very serious. And so I think that his, his team is kind of that way too. And not that they can't listen up, but they don't have a guy like Stanley Morgan Jr., I don't think, who kind of can rally guys and, you know, put a smile on their face. Cam Taylor-Britt is kind of that guy, but he's been hurt. Um, so they need to find some joy. I mean, because if you're not playing, if you're not playing with joy, then then it shows, and I think that's what we saw the second half of that Purdue game. And so, I just think they need to find something that they can lean on, that they find some joy in, and I think that that would go a long way. But we'll see if they actually can find it. Chris Eddy from the Omaha World Herald joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour talking football. Uh, and uh, I want to switch to basketball. It's it's kind of a fascinating uh, look with such a, a blank slate. Nobody knows what these players are going to do. Nobody knows what the, the, the lineups are going to look like. And lo and behold, they go out and they lose to Riverside in the opener 
Um, I'm just really interested. What were your thoughts of the opener? Uh, what do you, what, what, if any takeaways do you have about what the team might be this season? Or is it, I mean, it's probably way too early to know that, but I, I just, what were your observations from that game one and, and where do you think this thing goes going forward? Yeah. I mean, while I was watching um, the game, I was a little too shocked, a little too, I mean, I wasn't like totally, totally forward, but um, because Nebraska, I mean, we've been told by all the coaches, you know, in press conferences, and not in press conferences that they're going to they're not going to be very good, but there's interest between not being very good and losing to uh, the team that was ranked 285th or 283rd out of 350 college basketball teams. I mean, it was the worst loss of the 2010s. Um, you know, Incarnate Word was like 211. Gardner Webb was 181. I mean, it was. I mean, East Riverside is not a good basketball team. Um, and so while while it was happening, I was kind of like, wow, this is not what I was intending on writing about tonight. Um, but when I went back and watched, um, what you see is just, uh, you know, Nebraska's really good when they get a look early. And when they can get out in transition and get an open jumper or, uh, you know, a layup, they're, in the first five seconds of the shot clock, they're really good. The longer they have to run offense, the worse that they actually are. Um, you know, they did not make a shot in the final ten seconds of a shot clock. They were 0 4 um, they just when 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 they do run action in half court offense, if that first look isn't there, then it starts to kind of break down a little bit. The guys don't really know each other very well. They don't know when they're going to cut, when they're going to try and come out, when they're going to try and set a pick. A, a lot of times, Mack just pointed to Ivan Majorga and was like, "Hey, come set a screen, and we'll just do you know high pick and roll action, you and me, and we'll figure <laughs> it out." Um, and like that, that's great. Like that's fine. I, I like that match it up. Or I, I like you know Mack on a pick and roll, but like that's not really sustainable. Um, so that's what I saw offensively is just kind of some, some miscommunications. And then defensively, they just, they're not good. <laughs> defensively, they, they, they were not very sound. They, they did not follow a lot of just simple, basic rules that, that you need. And, and defense is really, you know, that's a team, that's, that's, that's a team thing. I mean, it's not as much individual. You need to be in help. You need to be, you know, in deny. You need to be communicating. You need to be talking. Talking is one thing that I know that they've struggled with. Um, and so that, that comes down to rebounding, too. Like, you need to find a man, put a body on him, and, and kind of get the board. And they just they didn't do it. So there were a lot of things that UC Riverside did really well in terms of just they just basically moved the ball and waited for Nebraska to mess up and then took an open jumper in the final five seconds of the shot clock. And then they just happened to actually make it. Um, and if they had missed it, then it would be a little bit different uh, of a story because maybe Nebraska can, you know, get that rebound and kind of go on the other side. But they didn't. So – I just saw a lot of small things from a young team, and this is what you get when you have, you know, so many new guys. Um, and, and it's going to take some time. I don't think that it was kind of a referendum on, on what happened, um, or excuse me, or on the program by any means, but I think it was kind of a mark of, of where they are as a program. Last minute here, uh, Chris, just kind of looking at the team, I agreed uh, entirely with you that if things didn't happen early or in transition, the offense looked incredibly stagnant. Folks not moving around, and then yeah, it just became uh, let's just go ahead and pick and roll and see if Cam Mack can can do anything. But looking with a, a chance to give Husker fans a different taste in their mouth this afternoon, and what this team did six of seven to start the game, twenty one percent the rest of the game, so kind of shot themselves out of it. I've been looking at this team saying they're going to shoot themselves out of some games and shoot themselves maybe into some games they shouldn't be in. Do you kind of see that being the the way the script is set for this season? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, 
there's going to be a game where, where Monte Gavas hits six or seven threes, and they can kind of ride that out. I think that there's going to be a game where Kim Mack gets a triple-double. I think there's going to be a game where Deshaun Burke could have, you know, 25, 27 points. Like, you're, you're going to win some of those games. Um, so there's going to be games when they get hot. But, yeah, we're going to see that. Um, I don't think we'll see sub-30% shooting very often. Like, that doesn't happen all the time. Um, but I Let's think hope that, not. <laughs> yeah, I mean – Dude, like I, I was having flashbacks of like you know Maryland when they shot twenty one percent from the floor, and I was like, geez, like this is not, yikes. Um, but so, so I don't think we'll see that very, very often. Um, but you know the way that Fred's system is set up, like your your shooting team, and um, I think that this collect collection of shooters is better than last year's, but I don't think it's as good as some of Iowa State's teams when when Fred was there. Um, so yeah, I think they'll shoot themselves into some games they'll shoot themselves out of some games but i think in general you know kind of go back on what i was just saying i i I think that this is where the program is at this exact moment but i think that this is going to be a growing year so i think that where they are in february and march matters way more and we won't be really talking about uc riverside if they can you know beat wisconsin or if they can play close to penn state or if they can beat Rutgers on the road or if they can you know be close 35 minutes in with a Michigan or, you know, an Ohio state, like that's where you are. That's where you mark like that. That's what actually matters. What happened on Tuesday doesn't super matter. It was pretty shocking. And it just kind of shows, you know, that they have a long way to go. Um, but this is such a young team. And, and when you're so young, I mean, think of a, of a child, right? They're just sponges and they learn something new every day and they grow and they grow. That's kind of what this basketball team is right now. They're just so young. They're this giant sponge. They don't know each other's habits. Um, and so we'll kind of see how, how it grows. And I think that they'll, they'll end up figuring out um, along the way, okay, here's where I need to make sure I get it to Mate in the corner. Here's where, okay, I know that Cam Mack likes it at the top of the key. I'm going to set the screen and kind of flip it to him. But just small things like that where if they can do that enough, they can figure out um, kind of how, how to get each other in shooting motion and, and kind of shoot some teams out of the gym. That's Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald covering Husker football and basketball. Uh, does a great job, and we appreciate you uh, coming on with us here again on the K-Line Husker Hour. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day, and uh, enjoy Patrick Mahomes on your television tomorrow. Oh, it's uh, it's been a long winter without him. and I'm, I'm, It's like a spring morning. Yes, couldn't agree more. Thanks again, Chris. Yep, see you guys. All right, that's Chris Hetty from the Omaha World Herald. Joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and be back after this. Uh, more to come on Nebraska football. Um, I, I've got something that I've, I, I thought of recently that is working against this program, and uh, I'm not sure how you, how you get out of it. Uh, we'll talk about that on the other side. And uh, I went to my first volleyball game last week. Yeah, I definitely want to hit on that. The Penn State-Nebraska rivalry continues. Another five-set thriller. Um, Caleb will run that down for us. Lots to get to. Stay tuned right here on the KLIN Husker Hour, 1400 KLIN. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Hopefully Nebraska can fare a little better than they did uh, in UC Riverside earlier this week. Uh, that game is a 1 o'clock tip. You'll hear pregame coverage starting right here on KLIN starting at noon. You can also listen, of course, on the app and on KLIN.com as well. Uh, Caleb Henry will be over there. And, uh, Caleb, I, I think 
we, we touched on this with Chris Hetty uh, last segment. I, I do think that the, the Huskers are going to shoot their way into some games. Um, but, man, I, I, I do agree with Chris to where they don't know any of the other guy. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know any of their tendencies yet. Um, like it's hard enough to scout any other team for their tendencies. They don't know what their own teammates are going to do yet. I think there's going to be some real growing pains, even in the non-conference season when they're playing bad teams. Uh, and you might see another bad loss like this. Yeah, I agree. And as um, folks who who've grown up playing sports, maybe you played on some summer all-star teams. It's a lot of that same type of yeah. thing where you go and you know you're good. Maybe you've played against some of these guys before. You know they're good. But what happens when the game gets tight? Are you going to expect that teammate to backdoor? Are you going to expect them to come set a screen? Is someone going to flare off of there? You know that you're going to get a shooter in the corner. What's going to happen? Yes, they had the Italy trip and then the secret secret scrimmage. Those things, closed yeah, scrimmage. yeah, that's what they are now. They're yeah. closed scrimmages. And then you had Doan. But you, they're going to shoot themselves out of some games. I don't know that they're going to shoot themselves out with 21 percent mm. over the last. Uh, doing 35 minutes of a ball game, but you have to think they're going to shoot a lot better. I expect this afternoon going to shoot a lot better. I expect the first Hoiberg arrow win. I expect it by 20 plus, but then again, I don't know if guys are inexplicably going to start missing shots. And then we saw it throughout the game against UC Riverside on offense. If something didn't happen in the first 10 seconds, they went stagnant. Do I go here? Yes, I know the offense. Yes, I know how to be an athlete and move, but what are my teammates going to do? What are they going to expect me to do? Because when you're still kind of learning guys, they they all know how each other plays in practice, but you don't want to be that guy who's, oh, well, he's now the selfish guy who thinks he has to take over. Yeah. You don't want to see that start to creep into the game. Sure, definitely not. And and it'll be interesting to see how Hoiberg uh, kind of approaches that offensive issue. Do you do you focus more on those first 10 seconds to make sure you get that shot up or do you maybe focus more on the last 20 seconds and make sure that yeah hey if the, if we don't get that shot early we do have a couple of backup plans that we can lean on a couple of plays that we know we're going to run if it gets down to it um you have to be able to call a quick hitter yep. with 15 seconds left yep. where where you're at 15 or 10 seconds where it's there's a little bit of off ball movement there might be a screen or you're running someone off an elevator screen out to the, the, the wing. Yep. You have to be able to run something that only takes 8 to 10 seconds, even if it's at the end of the shot clock, because guys have to know, even in a free-flowing offense, this is my job, this is where I'm going, this is my responsibility, regardless of where we're at. We didn't see that in Game 1. Yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll see how that flows uh, maybe a little bit better, uh, hopefully a little bit better. Uh, later on this afternoon over at Pinnacle Bank Arena against Southern Utah. Um, and, and while Nebraska basketball is trying to learn more about each other and create that culture of winning, uh, there's a different program on campus that has that well-established and um, don't have a chance to talk about them a lot during football season because it coincides with football season. But, uh, man, volleyball uh, continues to impress in, in uh, opportunities they have against uh, the big programs in the Big Ten. And, uh, Caleb, you had a chance to see the Penn State match the other night. Um, it was really, really, I, I mean, it was similar to what you've seen, but it was still incredible uh, going back and forth all five sets. Uh, what did you experience over there at uh, the Devaney? Well, I've been at the Devaney Center, one for high school basketball games because up until a few years ago, that's where state championships were played. Yep. That, that was It was set up for basketball. That's the first uh, Husker volleyball game I've ever been to in my life. 
Um, so I guess maybe I'm a good luck charm. Five sets. Win the, the last one, fifteen to thirteen. But that place is awesome. I can. I, I, so I've been to Husker football games. Obviously, I was at um, Indomitian Sioux's last game. I've heard how loud Memorial Stadium can be, and quite frankly, there's nothing like Memorial Stadium when it's the last couple minutes of a ball game and the crowd is into it and the defense needs a stop. Um, I mean, it was even loud against Indiana, even the way the season's going, let alone when things are going really well. Devaney Center is everything, everything that. Yeah, it gets quiet a little bit as things are going on, but the go big red on the the bump set spike, that is incredible. Uh, The crowd booing when uh, Penn State players asked the towel kids to come out and wipe a spot, that... First of all, that was incredible to me that that's even a thing. I didn't even know that was a thing, that that's how you can disrupt some tempo by saying, there's a wet spot, have this 12-year-old kid come out here and wipe it, and then one of the Penn State players blowing kisses to the crowd in the fifth set, Coach, their coach even came out and said, we need to wipe this spot, the crowd booing. I was like, why are we oh, booing? Russ Rose is the most was, hated was, man in Lincoln. I was like, I don't, even, I don't even know why we're booing, but I love every bit of this, and I think that's something that Husker football needs to take a little bit and say, this is the disrespect we're getting. Because you felt it in, in the Devaney Center. You felt not just the volleyball team, but the crowd saying, they're disrespecting us by having to try to slow the tempo like this. Gosh, they're so good. This volleyball team with no seniors, how does Cook do it every single year? Yeah. That rebuilding years are, oh, well, ho-hum, top 10 team. Look at that, and then look at the the way that they play against these teams like Penn State. Go out and get another five-set winner. I think seven of the last ten times Nebraska and Penn State have met, it goes five sets. Um, Nebraska obviously being very fortunate about that, but I mean, just in my few weeks here getting to yeah. see a lot of these teams play, I am all in on going to every Husker volleyball match I can get to. Love that crowd, love the atmosphere, and obviously it helps a lot when the team is as successful as they are. Um, so big kudos to Coach Cook and then all the young ladies that have been doing extremely well with that team. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and Caleb will have a lot more of that volleyball coverage uh, throughout the rest of the season and going forward as the new sports director here. Well, as the sports director, I told I promised we'd take the new off. No, no, we're, we're still going to roll new until it gets to a month old. We, oh, we can, we're on we, a month. We can go a month. And this we're is only my okay. second Husker hour. Yeah. And this is my yeah. first time we've gone past 30 minutes on That's it. That's true. So, yeah, we can, we can roll new just a little bit longer. All right. He's still new. This show is not... Um, our fifth year, and uh, we are just going to um, roll into our next break. Uh, I wanted to get to something uh, you talked about, respect. Um, the, the respect factor for Nebraska football, uh, I think it's still there, and I don't think it's warranted, and I think that's a disadvantage for Nebraska, and I'm going to touch on that next uh, when we come back. This is the KLI on Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Being there, that's Caleb Henry, KLIN Sports Director. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Um, I touched a little bit on this earlier on, and I think this is something that's working against Nebraska football that most people are not really thinking about or talking about. You saw a little bit of the Indiana game uh, in the aftermath where the athletic director was referencing something that he didn't actually want to say out loud and that that was a big reason why Indiana was so motivated and you found out that it might have been something that said at Big Ten Media Days. Look, every time Nebraska hosts a team like an Indiana, like a Purdue, like an Illinois, even a team like Minnesota that hasn't had 
a lot of recent huge big time success, you still see Nebraska as a name program, as a tradition rich program. You still see the respect and and the opponent putting Nebraska on a pedestal, so to speak, in that they get up for the game against Nebraska like it is their Super Bowl, like it is their national championship game, like it is their chance to make the playoff. And for f- a few years now, Nebraska football has not matched that uh, that level of tradition and that level of excellence, and it's really worked against Nebraska to the point where Nebraska football is having trouble getting up for these games to the same level of their opponents because Nebraska football has not been held to that same standard. Their expectations haven't been there. Uh, the level of talent maybe hasn't been there. Whatever you want to say, the reasons for the struggles have been. At the same time, you've seen team after team after team celebrate a huge win over a team that ended up going four and eight or five and seven or six and seven or who knows what this season will end up. Like, Caleb, I don't know what the answer to this riddle is, but Nebraska football's got to find a way to either get back to that point where they're, they're worthy of a team putting them on that pedestal or they just have to raise their own uh, you know, do do whatever they need to do in their head to get up for a game and feel disrespected in some way, even if it's super contrived that somebody said three months ago that didn't really even have anything to do with you as a team. I just don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but other teams are using Nebraska's tradition as a weapon against Nebraska, and there's not anything Nebraska's done to counter it. I don't know if Scott Frost or he needs to have a grad assistant go on to opponents' message boards and pull some stuff that they're playing from there, but there's yeah, not there's not it. an internal motivation. I know it's always, well, it's not the 90s anymore. Stop talking about it. Those dudes in the 90s were bad dudes. You did not want to meet the 90s Huskers in a dark alley. I think the, the Huskers now, as we are in 2019, we get into 2020, make that decade embrace the disrespect because there's still the N on the side of the helmet. That is still a big win for teams. Shoot, Indiana even said it was a signature win against a team that's yeah. four, that has four wins on the season and coming off back-to-back four and eights. Embrace that disrespect. Get that internal motivation. And I know we, like, I just thought about that. If you have to go to the opponent's message boards and find something they're saying about your third-string linebacker, Put it up on the bulletin board. Use it for the next game and embrace the disrespect. Yeah, embrace the disrespect that you might have to find and, and really, really contrive. But embrace the respect that the other program has for your program because they are going to get up. It doesn't matter who Nebraska is playing. It's Northern Illinois. It's South Alabama. Even Wisconsin. You yeah. see them decide. And there are times where Wisconsin, you think about back in the Big Ten championship game where yeah, Wisconsin, you finished third in your division, but because of Ohio State and Penn Two State on sanctions, they got there, and we watched Melvin Gordon run for 10,000 yards. I'm sure he's still scoring points in that game right now, but they saw Nebraska on the other side and said, we're putting up 100. We're, we're not stopping taking our foot off the gas yeah. at all. And it that's that's what Nebraska has to deal with. A good year, a bad year, it's still Nebraska. People still treat Nebraska like the program they used to be, and it's working against the Huskers. And I just, I honestly just came to that realization a few minutes ago during this show. And it's, I don't know what the solution is for Nebraska, but it may just be, yeah, go contrive something, even if it doesn't actually have anything to do with anything they said. Because if it gets you a win, 
who cares? Because you get to just move on and move on with your season. That's what Indiana got to do a few games ago, even though they had a quote-unquote signature win against a four-win team. Uh, we got to get to our last break here. We'll be back to wrap this thing up in uh, just a bit. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Our thanks to Chris Eddy from the Omaha World Herald. Joined us earlier in the show talking football and basketball. Husker Hoops coming up here, Caleb, at 1 o'clock. Tip-off over at PBA, 12 o'clock. Pre-game right here you can hear on KLIN. Uh, what else is going on this weekend? This weekend, uh, which, by the way, this game this afternoon, KLIN.com, KLIN app as well. Tomorrow, you've got volleyball at Missouri, or volleyball at Iowa, excuse me, and then you've got women's basketball, their second game. They're going to be at Missouri. Kate Kane, 52 away from the uh, school shot blocking record. Kane count. Let's do it. All right, that's it for a bye week Saturday here on the KLIN Husker Hour. That's Caleb. I'm Cole. Thanks again for joining us. We will talk to you again next week, maybe, depending on what time the Wisconsin game kickoff is. Hopefully we'll be able to join you. Uh, If not, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Go Big Red.